You're listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, my name is Octavio Fernandez y Mostajo. My name is Claire Parini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Actually, people don't know my full name is Octavio Fernandez y Mostajo Saavedra. That would be my full name. Mm. That would be my Latino full name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just cut it. I just cut it. Mine because is of you just guys. Claire Perini. That's it. What, what's your mama's last name? Uh, my mom's last yeah. name? Williams. So, like, in, in Bolivia, it would be, like, Claire Perini Williams. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Me. Yeah. yeah. You need, really you need, you need both it. last names. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, today, we had a conversation with Shelley and Wayne Jones. So, Wayne is a Regent grad. He graduated with an MA in Marketplace Theology back in 2012. And um, Shelley has a background in marketing. But the two of them, since leaving Regent, uh, have started a business called Dignify. And um, you'll hear a little bit more about that business as the conversation goes on. But we had a conversation with them about how did Regent uh, shape their understanding of their life after Regent, as well as how that has shaped their business practices in their business that's been going for about seven years and has Mm -hmm. grown quite significantly in that time. I have one of their blankets from Dignify, so I can... Thoroughly recommend. And in the link in the bio, there'll yeah. be a little a link to Dignify. So the big question is what happens after Regent? After Regent College, like two years, three years, five years of your life invested in, in theological studies. What happens afterwards? Good things happen. Bad things happen as well. This is one of the good examples of what happens after Regent. With a whole lot of realism about some of the challenges within that. Exactly. And well. in, in how difficult it is and in, in, in what God can do if you you open up. and. It's a great conversation. I, uh, I studied with Wayne, so it was good to see them again on the podcast. So we hope you enjoy our conversation uh, as much as we did. Shelley and Wayne Jones, welcome to the Regent College podcast. <laughs> great. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for, for having us. us. Um. We're, um, you're coming to us from Calgary, where it started snowing in October, which is, or no, September. Did it start snowing in September? I don't remember. It did, if, uh, it did snow on September 29th, which is our son's birthday. Oh when you God. live here, you try to have a healing of the memory. So yeah, that, just kind of let it go. No, but Vancouver's getting cold. It, was, it wasn't a good, a good month. Yeah, it is. It is cold. But, but they're not as cold as it. Like, no, no, of course not. But for Vancouver standards. Uh, it's true. And for a Bolivian. Yeah. And an <laughs> South American um, standards. It's always yeah. cold. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about your experience while you were at Regent and then sort of what happened to you after Regent and sort of how that's shaped what you've done after Regent. But do you want to tell us a little bit first about what brought you to Regent in the first place? Sure. Um, what brought us to Regent in the first place? Well, I was working in the oil industry in Calgary. I'd worked for a ministry previous before that for seven years, and I'd been in the oil industry for five years, and it was fine. I didn't mind it, but I knew it wasn't the big thing for me. And I'd taken some previous classes at Regent, and um, one of my life goals was always to finish my master's there. And so we didn't know at the time, but we'd be pregnant with our second child and we decided to No, go. no. What happened was <laughs> <laughs> Now this is the real story. <laughs> we would we would be Wayne had started listening to some region audio. So we had already done about forty percent of his degree, but that was maybe mm, seven or eight or ten years prior. And then we found we'd come home from being at a party or something, and it was ten at night, and Wayne would say, I'm just gonna listen to this lecture from Regent before <laughs> bed. And I thought, this is not n- typical behavior of people. 
and we had one kid at home and she was about one and so then I threw it out to Wayne I said what do you think about maybe just going to Regent you know you don't like your job it's kind of like maybe it's a bad time but is there ever going to be a good time we sort of don't have anything to lose so we were mulling that over and then found out we were expecting another child so mm. then it it actually worked out pretty well for Wayne to take a uh, sort of parental leave because um, the hours of being in school were uh, low enough that he could kind of take a leave from his job. Mm. And then we moved to Vancouver. Yes. So you're really responsible for it as much as Wayne would like to think that he had sort of had a bit of a hand in it. It was really, it was really your. It was mostly her. For sure. No mastermind. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, I, would, I wanted to study work vocation kind of like, what does God do from Monday to Friday, if anything? So I mm-hmm. wanted to figure that out. Yeah. And so then what, tell us a little bit about your experience at Regent and what happened while you were here. You were here for sort of a year and a half or something for you while you finished, Wayne, something like that? Yeah, I was there for a year and a half. Um, it was great. It was like, I look back on it as one of the highlights of our life. Like we lived on campus and um, it was about a 10 minute walk from the thing. And so we just met so many great people. Um who did, sorry, who did, what, what were some of the great people that you met while you were here? <laughs> there was a couple Claire of Australians. Freeze. One of yeah. them was named Claire. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened to her. Yeah, yeah. Seemed like a cool girl, yeah. She was very cool. So um, <laughs> it was great like, just being to live in the families and being able to study. And um, like I look back and saying, like, we had a baby like three days before classes started. Oh, no. Then I had to memorize the Greek alphabet by Thursday. <laughs> and I was like, how am I going to do this? Yeah, I, it's all its all like, it's maybe in there somewhere, but most of it's gone. Um, it's, that a portion of it, it's a bit of a blur. It's a bit of a So, some of it seems like a bit of a blur the first time, but um, really like in a sense where there's just so many foundational teachings then. And I had a friend there who had this great analogy and saying, I think our regent time is going to be like one of those Russian dolls where you're kind of like nested mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of different ones in there. And as you leave, um, you keep on opening a different level and different depth as you keep on going down, mm. mm-hmm. so, which I, I found that too. So, I mean, the experience was fantastic going there, but it just keeps on pouring out and giving and giving as, you know, God forms us and forms the directions that we go after. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you, Shelley? Um, well, I think I piggybacked a lot on how much Wayne learned i mean i i was able to audit a couple of classes so i did old testament foundations and new testament foundations and we knew a bit like i had listened to some of um rick watts before and some of the region audio um and so i did glean a bit from doing actual classes but lots of it was just the conversations we're having i mean you're in class but you're also hanging out with all these other people who have just moved and Mm. um you're all kind of finding yourself uh, muddling through all of these big ideas and mm. so over dinner you know you're just talking about these um, deep and meaningful conversations and so I got a ton out of it yeah it was a very mm. transformational time for both of us I think mm-hmm. and so then how did that shape then what life looked like for you afterwards so you're talking about this kind of Russian doll kind of analogy um, but how has that shaped kind of what's happened afterwards and then how did that shape the beginning of, of Dignify and then tell us a little bit about Dignify. Sure. Well, one thing I think that came up 
a lot through Regent was uh, the Holy Spirit. It felt like we were really introduced to the estranged uncle of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> when we came to Regent. Um, you know, we Wayne and I had both been um, Jesus followers for a while, like 10, 15, 20 years or something like that. Um, but just hadn't engaged that much, I think, with the Spirit. Um, but then Wayne would write a paper and his professors were just often harping on, but where is the spirit in all of this? And you're not mentioning the spirit. And so I think that that just <laughs> instilled that into us a bit more. And so then when we were coming home back into our old life in a lot of ways, you know, we moved back into our same house and um, resumed at our church and all of our same friends, you know, that was a lot more ingrained in us of, the presence of the spirit and the empowerment in all these um, minor everyday decisions that you're making and encounters you're having having. Yeah. I mean, initially I think some of the first, I started working at another business with a friend um, and that was, that was fine too. Um, Dignified didn't start off right away for another couple years after. So in some ways the transition back was difficult though, back to Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, you're learning all these new things and then you're telling people, and you know it's a five or ten minute conversation like you know it's no different than you saying oh i just went on, what, on a two-week vacation mm, yeah. and they ask you a similar type of questions mm-hmm. so you've had this transformational experience and then you come back and like okay how does it fit into this old all these old relationships mm. and mm. this church that we went to and um people aren't necessarily speaking the same language that i want to and things like that. So it was definitely difficult in that way to find a ground. And that's kind of what I was saying about the Russian doll. I'm saying, you know, it's God's, you know, as God plants seeds and they take a long time to grow. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely like some growth time in there and wrestling it out before we see some of the fruit that started to come through it after afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really, I don't know, stressful scary when you when you when your time to get out of region is coming close closer and closer i know people like start here for a year some study for three and a half years some for like five years but eventually they all want to leave some people don't but they all gotta leave and then like now why i mean i've been here two years three years five years how what's gonna happen after how do i translate like I've been, I've been writing and reading so much stuff, and now I have to go back to my country. What am I gonna do? How do I share this? What do I do with this? I'm, I'm not gonna be able to have, you know, years of conversations with people mm. to tell them all the stuff I would like to tell them. Maybe I might be able, instead of of just talking and talking and talking and talking, I might be able to do something instead, instead of just like pouring all my knowledge and my papers blah 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 i might be able to i could do something so that's kind of what you did you did something what do you do well uh we started a business so i guess i'll backtrack a bit um the seed of this business was actually planted in a class at regent wayne was taking a christian social enterprise class and in this class there was another woman named robin and she was from oregon And she had been working with the MCC, the Mennonite Central Committee um, in Bangladesh for a number of years. She had just finished her five-year stint there and she was taking a little break back at home before 
moving back there to start um, a social business where she would hire some of the women who had been um, going through these programs. Um, and so her brother, Kirk, was doing his MDiv at Regent. And so she came up to hang out with him and visit for a bit and um, take a couple of classes herself. And so Wayne was in this class and met her. Yeah, and we kind of had to do like a bit of a business case study. And I picked something about investing and she did it on her blank. Because I kept on thinking she was selling sweaters. <laughs> I was like, there's these people are making sweaters. How dare you, Wayne? How dare <laughs> we you? laugh about that with her all the time. But it's actually blank that she was making. I was like, I was just totally clueless. <laughs> we had no idea that five years down the line, Wayne would be going into anthropology and coming to me later and saying, you won't believe the poor quality of stitching at these anthropology <laughs> blankets. <laughs> Our life is very different than we thought. <laughs> For those who are listening anyway, to other places, anthropology is a store. I like very kind of. Oh, I thought yeah. you, you were like having another yeah. like bachelor's in anthropology or something. <laughs> no, no. So anthropology is a really nice, like beautiful things, quite expensive. But as Wayne is saying, clearly, maybe not the quality that oh. one might expect from such a high-end store. <laughs> anyway, Sorry, Wayne was learning about this project that Robin was working on her business. And we loved the idea, but we were students. And so we couldn't justify buying a $100 blanket. Mm -hmm. um, but about a year later, so we had moved back um, to Calgary and we had a good friend of ours was getting married, um, remarried. It was her second marriage. And so I bought this blanket as a wedding gift. And the backstory there was that her husband, her first husband had died in a car accident when she was pregnant with their third child. And this was a really significant event in our lives too. Wayne was really good friends with um, both of them with both of them and this man, Julian, we've named our son after him actually way down the line. But anyhow, um, it was several years later and she was getting married to an amazing man. And I thought the symbolism of this gift was really powerful. You know, you have these two women and they are a world apart, one in Alberta, Canada, and one in Bangladesh, but they have this shared experience of pain and suffering in their life. And then also some redemption and this blanket as a symbol of that. Mm. And so getting it was a bit of a hassle. There was only a distributor um, out of Chicago and da 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 da. And so Wayne said, Oh. Uh, yeah, I kept on telling him, it's like, maybe we should distribute these. Maybe no, no, he said, Maybe you should start a business <laughs> importing these. Yes. And I was like, That sounds like a lot of work. Why don't you start your own fair trade import company? <laughs> but my background is in marketing, and so I can only Aww. describe it as the whispers of the spirit, but I would be lying in bed at night and just thinking, oh, what, should, what could this be called, and what would the logo look like, and, you know, how would the website feel if I did this? Yeah, and it was fun to say, like, we'd go down to our, we'd go over to our playground, take our kids over to the playground, and we'd sort of start talking about this, what would this look like, mm -hmm. what would that look like? And then one Saturday morning, Shelley woke up, she always wakes up earlier than me, um, quite a bit earlier. But and then, like I think in a two-hour span, she came up with the whole brand, the whole logo, um, the name, the colors. Oh, the all the marketing juice is flowing. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, it's marching. I just thought it's like, okay, here's like the inspiration from the spirit and his creativity coming out through her. Mm. And it just seems like, okay, this is what we should do. And so then we bought. We started this company. It's called Dignify. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so it's all online, just no storefront, just an online retail store, shopdignify.com. And we run it out of our house. So when we started, we ordered 60 blankets and we launched this store. I sent out a bunch of postcards to like every woman I knew and kind of tried to ramp up some things before we launched it. Um, and then when I, when I started that one first weekend, um, by mid-weekend, I thought, I think I could order some more blankets. And I did. And then by two weeks later, when the new blankets had arrived, there was only one left of the original um, order. And so we thought, oh, then maybe, maybe this is going to work. Maybe we're onto something. And it's just kind of snowballed from there. So um, it's been seven years almost. And now we have more like... Uh, seven or 800 blankets in the <laughs> office that we're talking from. Um, but yeah, God has been um, quite remarkable in this, in this project that we never would have mm. imagined. Yeah, can, can you tell us a little bit more about the women in Bangladesh, what's happening there and what are they doing exactly? For sure. Um, so there are a few training programs that are run by NGOs um, in Bangladesh. Uh, like I mentioned, Robin had worked for one of them and they work with different specific populations. So maybe women who live on the street who have kids or mm -hmm. women who are in sex work but want to get out of it. And often, I mean, these different groups are totally intertwined. You know, there's the homelessness and sex trade and mm -hmm. um, those kinds of things are very uh, common, just vulnerable populations. So these programs work with different women to set them up um, for a different kind of life and work. And then our partner in Bangladesh, our production partner is a business, but they hire women after they've completed these programs for an ongoing job to sew these blankets. And so, you know, no one wants to just be in a program for the rest mm -hmm. of their life. You want a job that yeah. um, you are earning your living and you're working in work. this, yeah. Yeah, this, this dignified job. And um, this company, Basha, that Robin runs, it's more than just a sustainable paycheck to, you know, they just actually love people. They love mm. the women and they care for them in ways that go far above and beyond, mm. you know, a, a regular workplace. Mm -hmm. And then the blankets themselves, um, they're made with this old craft called Kantha that's specific to that region, to Bengali. So that's kind of East India and Bangladesh. Mm from that area of the world. So kantha means patched cloth, and that's essentially what these blankets are. They're layers of saris that have been repurposed and made into essentially a quilt. Um, and then kantha also refers to the kind of stitch that they use, which is a simple straight running stitch. It's simple, but not easy. I've tried it myself and it does not look anywhere near <laughs> as nice as, as these women do. But yeah, our classic blanket that we sell um, takes about 23 hours to make so mm. a few wow. days of work uh yeah. we're gonna get, leave, leave the link in the description you gotta see those things those things are beautiful mm. we will, I, I, we will, we're looking at a, a, at a bunch with my wife which is like scrolling and scrolling no this one no 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 this one no 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 no, no go to the next page no 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 this one and then you have bedding you have a bunch of stuff it's beautiful they're so beautiful you have no idea like the colors are amazing yeah. it's it's great i have a question though because uh, you have a blog there, and I've, I was reading your blog. 
He's such a good researcher. I read your blog too. Just so you know, every Saturday morning, pops into my inbox. Oh, have a little nice. read. Yep. And one of your latest vlogs, it said that you were just getting ready to go to Bangladesh for the first time in seven years. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you started a business with this woman without even knowing them. You just had a, a connection with a friend. And all of a sudden, you're helping. It is a business. It is a for-profit. And, you, and you're including women from Bangladesh and helping women from Bangladesh as you make money. It's, it's an amazing way to make money. But, but people, I mean, why did you care enough to do that? I mean, we should care, but why did you care enough to do something about it when you don't even know this woman? <clears throat> Sorry for interrupting your podcast, but Claire Perini has something important to say. This podcast is a ministry of Regent College and relies on the support of generous donors. If you've enjoyed our conversation today or any other day, please consider making a small donation to the college at rgnt.net forward slash give. That's R-R-G-N. <laughs> How do you say R? Uh, uh. <laughs> R. Okay, let me do that again. R-G-R. <laughs> Please consider making a small donation to the college at rgnt.net forward slash give. That's R-G-N-T dot net slash give. Now, if you really want to make our day, when you donate, there's a comment box. Please leave a note saying that the podcast sent you. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy the rest of the podcast. Well, it's funny. I think we all have different gifts. And the assumption that almost everybody makes when they hear about what we do is that I'm really passionate about social justice. Mm. And that's not untrue, but it's definitely not um, not high up on the scale as it would be for a lot of other people that I know or who I would associate with um, more social justice jobs. The truth is that what I identify most, most with is um, the creative aspect mm. and the marketing piece and the entrepreneurship and like the goal, the meaning behind the business is obviously huge. It's not, it's not unimportant to me at all. Um, but I think, I think we just have such different um, gifts and talents. And I think about Robin in Bangladesh and she does so much what to me is really hard work. You know, it's very emotional and you're juggling um, compassion for women who have experienced a lot of trauma mm. along with actual needs to produce um, mm. goods and in time. Hundreds of blankets for Dignify. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hundreds of blankets for us meet our high expectations. Um, and so, you know, I look at her and I think, I could not do that and I don't want to do that. And she looks at me, you know, running – Facebook ads and doing goofy mm-hmm. Instagram stories and raising kids in North America. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, I don't want to do that. And so it's been a beautiful portrait actually uh, of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Where 
because we don't actually all need to have the same um, motivations or interests, but you know, you can work together and create this beautiful thing, each with your own gifts and talents. I found that so beautiful, Shelly. So beautiful. Because <laughs> it, it, it makes more so much sense for a lot of people that think, I mean, I'm not that, you would say, I'm not that so, a social justice soldier. And I'm, I'm more into business and stuff like that. And, and what you say is you don't have to be like a social uh, justice uh, soldier or be like a, a, some sort of a missionary type. And that you have to, like in the case of your friend, go to Bangladesh or, or to to do something like this. Mm. This is not like like a cookie cutter thing. That okay, this is for you you type of people, not for me. And mm. and but yeah, mm-hmm. kind of beautiful. Yeah. And so when you weren't involved necessarily as much from the beginning, but you are more involved now, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I think the first three years, it was sort of it started as our side business, and for the first three years, Shelley would do lots of it, and I think I would help out very minimally, <laughs> very very minimally. <laughs> but I mean, it just kept on growing, and then one thing happened with this other job, and um, so like, yeah, let's not do this anymore, and let's give Dignify uh, run it, see if we could do it full time as a family, and so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do some other things. I've done some other things on the side and some leadership development things, but say, okay, let's um, do this at the start. And because Shelly, like when she started it, she'd do things like after the kids went to bed. And mm. um, so it's pretty, it seems, sometimes it seems simple on the front, but I mean, I've seen her like work to like 2 a.m. on setting up the website and mm. come to bed and do things like that all as we started. And we thought as it grew up, it's like, well, let's, let's help you actually work just during daylight hours now and not, <laughs> yeah. not in the middle of the night. So, yeah. And so when I came on, um, I think about three and a half years ago, was it, or about that time and said, okay, let's give this a full-time shot. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's, God's continued to be faithful and continues to grow and continues to support our family. And we tell mm. people, and it seems weird. It's like, people are like, can you actually support your family with this? And it's like, yeah, it works. These yeah, weird little niche online businesses. And, uh, but it's been fun. And so, yeah, I handle the operations aspect of it now and mm-hmm. some of the ordering and forecasting and shipping and all that type of stuff. And Shelly's the marketing end. Would you say that dignifies uh, that you're, you're operating in your kind of vocational um uh, like the th- spheres, the things that you feel like, yeah, sweet spots. Would you both feel like that, or do you feel like one of you is, or how do you feel like that's your sense of vocation's been shaped? Or I think my job in this business is a great fit for me professionally. Um, but my understanding of my vocation is much larger than yeah. just the work that we do. You know, it's being a parent because we have three kids and a spouse and also a neighbor and someone who goes to church and a volunteer and a friend and on and on and on. So, um, you know, there's lots of aspects of my vocation, I think that are not covered within the realm of my job and even just some specifics of the job. Like I really like to work alone, but I'm also a raging extrovert. So that's a path that I have to navigate that isn't fulfilled in my job. And I like to work with my hands and have tangible things to do. And I, you know, don't really tackle that much in this online store. So um, I have to seek those things out in other ways. 
Shelley's what we would call, or what Wayne has called in the past, socially inexhaustible. So socially inexhaustible. <laughs> so that you know, the old working at home on your own in your basement—that's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I mean, our vocation is our whole life response to God, and uh, so some of you are like I'm the opposite. Shelley's like I like to work with people, and it tends to Shelley is the one I work with in this, which is great. And there's other things that do on the side, but. In terms of like how it sets us up for our whole life, it's just been great. Like our, we get to see our kids come home for lunch from school and they walk to school and just the, some of the flexibility is given with our family type of stuff. And so if you look at that as a whole vocation, it's like, yeah, we're in a great spot. Mm. I mean, like Dignify still work and we all have jobs that mm-hmm. things that are aspects of jobs that are like Groundhog Day or yeah. um, you do things like that or I mean, after this, Shelly and I are going to go take pictures of hundreds of blankets. And so mm-hmm. we'll <laughs> turn on the music. Stand on chairs and, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Basically, and so it's like, okay. I mean, it's like, I don't know, sure, fun. <laughs> it's not necessarily fun, but it's like, ah, this is great. And Well, I had a funny conversation with a friend um, a week or two ago. And she said, oh, I've been watching your Instagram and stories and stuff. And just thinking, oh, Shelly's just having a great time and her her job. Like, she's just so much excitement and here I am just plugging away at my work. And I said, honestly, I feel exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, these last two weeks I have felt like I'm just kind of plugging away at my job. So, I mean, that, that gets into a whole um, can of worms with uh, social media and projection and all of that. But <laughs> yeah. I think just, just to what Wayne said, like there's definitely a grind to, work that isn't just um, magically covered over by having a meaningful mm. <laughs> job totally. or even a sweet spot in your vocation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's just, it's just the nature of the beast in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. How have you found it working together? Has it been, have people said to you, mm, bad idea, don't work with your spouse? And uh, has it, yeah, were you ever, did you, have you ever thought, oh, this is maybe a bad idea or how's that been? <laughs> Not really. I don't think people have really said that. I mean, we've had many years over the course of our marriage in different work setups that were unconventional. You know, Wayne, Wayne worked for a nonprofit for a while. And so his schedule was super random and um, years of student life and full-time regular work. And then, you know, being at Regent and then back here working out of our home. So um, if anything, I think that, that the burden of like us sharing the burden of both our work life and our family needs has been a really good thing for our partnership. Yeah. I think I was thinking about this too. For the majority of like the world's history of husband and wives work together. Mm. It's only more in a modern sense where we haven't. Mm. Um, so, but like I've had like relatives who are farmers and like they're all working together all the time. Mm. Yeah. And so yeah, but it's been lots of fun for me. And I think I've, Shelly's definitely the founder and the head. And so I make some tactics I use. Sometimes I make suggestions and Shelly will not like them at all, but then come back three weeks later and say, that wasn't that such a bad idea. <laughs> of course, women. <laughs> come on. So I've learned, I've learned how to navigate <laughs> the correct course with all of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Learning curve. We're, we're very different and so 
in, in terms of our motivations and Wayne wanting to collaborate on everything and me not wanting to collaborate on anything. So right. yeah. I think it works because Wayne is pretty easygoing and um, we figured out a good path. And also that I just put in my earbuds sometimes and say, I'm not talking anymore to anyone. <laughs> so great. Um, I was, I'd be interested to hear if, you, if there are things you feel like you've learned about yourselves things you've learned about God or anything you've learned about business as you've been doing this. So yourselves, God and God's work in the world and work through Dignifier or whatever, uh, and then about maybe business more generally. Hmm. Um, I think something, this is probably covers all of those a bit, um, but just learning the idea that work is not holy because of the subject matter but because God is in this place when you're doing the work. So, you know, I could be working on something like creating ads for Pinterest or something and really struggling with it or, you know, working on a spreadsheet or whatever it is. And I can think, well, who's the smartest person I know? <laughs> well, it's Jesus. And he knows, he knows these things more intimately than, than any other person, including me. And so I can ask him about it or at least pray through my challenges and my frustration mm. about something that seems, you know, in a traditional sense, very loosely connected to the kingdom. Mm. <laughs> there's no, there's no scripture about um, at marketing or mm. Facebook profiles or anything. Um, but I mean, he's, he's still in that, right? He, he knows it better than anyone. Um, he's in all things and redeeming all things. So some of what I've learned within a work context, but also in my own, you know, outside of work in my own life is just remember who is, who is the king of all things and uh, who is redeeming all things and, and to look for like that foretaste of the kingdom. You know, we've, we've watched the reframe series a number of times and Amy Sherman talks about that, you know, it's just this little like Baskin and Robbins taster of the ice cream. And that's the, that's now the foretaste of what the, the kingdom is going to be. And so where do we see that in, in our work and in these other aspects of our vocation too? Mm. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like a more in business wise too, I think what has been so great about Basha too, is they just make such a great quality product. Mm. And I think when fair trade started, people would just sell it based on the story, but the item wasn't that good. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so what you mean so happy to work with the ladies in Bangladesh is that they just make such great stuff. And so people might buy it for the story or they might buy it, but once they get it, they love it. And because it's so well made, like half the people who buy one buy again. Mm. And so that to me is saying like the way that we set things up and the product that we sell is quality and that's important too. Um, and the way we treat people is just translated into the people who actually buy them. Mm-hmm. And so as important as the people who make them, it's also important the people who buy them too, that we produce something good for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's been really great to be a part of because a lot of these ladies, just as we bought something for redemption, it's amazing how many people on the other side too mm. um, have bought things for redemption for people who struggle with sobriety, infertility, cancer, people just like to decorate their living room. And to me, it's like, to see it's like, okay, that's God actually working in this is that he's bringing people from different socioeconomic backgrounds and putting them on the same level. Mm. And, um, 
us helping to facilitate part of the story to facilitate it has been great. And so I think that in terms of business is like, yeah, that's just mm. amazing to put these two groups together. Mm. And, you know, it's not just about the story, but it's about the product itself being yeah, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say to theology students that are about to finish seminary or finish regent and they're pretty nervous so how is all how is, is this going to translate and all the uh, all the counter culture uh, mm. backlash and stuff like that what are the do's and don'ts for those students <laughs> and what should they brace themselves for sure well one thing i'll say out of the gate i don't want to make it seem like we've really figured out everything and we're you know in perfect shape a huge challenge for us is just continuing to trust that if we show up every day and do our best with what we can that god is leading and filling in the gaps to make these things work you know there's this fear that the bottom is going to drop out of this thing any day you know november and december are hugely um Uh, big sales months for us but as we approach every year it's the same feeling of oh is it (laughs) is it gonna work this time as it has in the past or maybe just nothing will happen and we'll continue you know it'll be crickets um and so you know those are just these fears that we wrestle with of god are you gonna show up in this you know is everything gonna work out in the end but for regent students like one one thought is this is just a very practical thing was that doing the practice of the examine was really big for us in the time after that we left from Regent. And so for people who haven't heard about yeah, that, what is that, tell us about that. Yeah. yeah. So this is a, um, from St. Ignatius, uh, a practice of essentially just a highlight, low light reel of your day. So you sit down kind of at the end of the day or, you know, whenever and, and just send up a prayer to say, okay, spirit, you know, I'm listening where did I see God today or what was good in this day? And then also what, where did I miss you? Where did I not see you? What, where did it feel like life was drained today? And just spending these times in a bit of listening prayer. And I mean, we did it for quite a long time. It's not like a magic genie, of course, or anything. Um, But I felt like that simple practice really set us up well to start to learn how to listen to Mm. God and listen to the spirit. Because if you're just reflecting on, you know, the highlights of your day, it's pretty easy to conjure up what that is or to hear that voice. And so then in other times when we would pray and say, okay, God, there's this situation or issue or this wrestle about, you know, this move or this situation I find myself in, in my post um, grad time in my regular life, then you can say, you know, do you have a word about this? Do you have an image? Um, and then have that that practice under your belt to actually hear and see. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like when I came back from Regent, I'd read all these like deep theological books and I was like, I need to read something lighter. So I started reading the Hung- Hunger Games series. And then after I finished that, <laughs> after I finished that, I was listening to this pot, this lecture by Eugene Peterson. And he said, you know, people come to get these degrees and they get their theology degrees. And after that, they um, are way more interesting in books about listening to the spirit and prayer. And which was exactly what I was going through too. Mm. And I just thought, you know, I've answered lots of questions and I still have lots of questions and there's just a mystery to the gospel, of course, but 
now it's like about just walking with God and learning how to pray and learning how to listen and to go with that and um, not necessarily always be concerned exactly what we're doing, but who we're doing it with and trusting him that he's walking and praying. And I think that's been my journey seven years past region is to say, mm-hmm. um, just uh, God continuing to work on my prayer life and work on listening to him and to follow mm-hmm. and um, not necessarily answer and all these big prompted. questions. Yeah. And be, and being obedient and responsive when I'm prompted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have any other ideas of businesses you want to start? <laughs> always. 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 <laughs> That's why I asked Shelly's like, yeah, where, do you, where should I start? Do you want me to just name one of them or all 20? Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the marks of an entrepreneur or a creative, I think, is just wanting to create new things and reclaiming a bit of the uh, adrenaline rush of starting something new. Yeah. You yeah, know, when yeah. Wayne talks about me staying up until two or three or four in the morning working on whatever. I mean, I was so driven by the excitement and the adrenaline of starting Mm -hmm. something new. Also, I stopped watching TV, which really reclaims a lot of the time (laughs) in your day. Um, But uh, yeah, new ideas. I don't know. We have always got a couple of little uh, irons in the fire, things that we try and fit. We've tried a couple of things that just haven't really taken off. So that's Mm. part of, that's Mm -hmm. part of it too, is just learning and being willing to, give something a go and mm-hmm. not be too yeah. uh, slayed if it doesn't pan out. Yeah. yeah. Is there any kind of advice that you would have for people who have got like a little seed of an idea? So they're kind of on, you know, there might be people who are like entrepreneurs and they know how to be entrepreneurs, but there might be people who have got, so. I uh, do have a thought on that, that maybe I thought of this earlier in a different question. I can't remember which it was, but one piece of advice that, I've given a few times is that if somebody is really passionate about a social justice cause that starting a store or a business is maybe not the best route for them. Cause I think right. that people travel to a place and think, Oh, I want to sell this thing so that I can help this help that, yeah. group or whatever. And I just love that idea or the people. And I think in a lot of those cases, probably the best course of action is actually to get a job in fundraising or something else like that, because starting a business is just, it's such a jack of all trades kind of a job. And I mean, you can do it if you have no marketing background, but it will be a lot more expensive. You know, I I was able Mm -hmm. to do so much um, and have been all through this course and not um, outsourced very many of the jobs because Mm. I had, you know, experience in some coding and photography and graphic design and all these little bits and pieces. Mm. Um, And, and, you know, seven years in, when we, when we first started, there were very few businesses that were selling, you know, nice looking like Western appealing products that also had a good story behind them. Mm. And now there's a lot, a lot more, um, but there's also a ton of businesses that have failed because they just, it's just hard. It's hard mm. to make a business work. So, I mean, I guess my advice, if somebody was interested in um, being an entrepreneur or starting a, a store, especially if there was a cause is, is there enough here? Is the product like good enough? Mm. You know, Think about it in terms of just a business with no story no good story, no meaning behind it. And would it stand up Mm. and go from there? Yeah. 
And also, probably to test too. It's like ours grew slowly over a long time. Yes. And so you've seen other people's like, you have these big plans. Even like we launched some products and like we bought all this stuff and it doesn't sell. It's like, okay, mm. we're just stuck with a lot of inventory. Mm. Mm. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, that's not great, but <laughs> it's fine. You take some risks, but start slowly. Mm-hmm. It's okay to, yeah, grow organically. Um, I mean, there's, there's all these things too with advertising. Like something big for a region too that I think helps us think through of how we're going to market this business. Because you see other people selling some of these Cantha things or fair trade goods and how do they do that online? Like lots of people use scarcity mm-hmm. or these time type of things to help sell. It's like, oh, you only have five minutes left to buy this. Or you see something like $200 and someone slashes down to $100. Yeah. Like that's all people just trying to play with your emotions. Yep. And so we could do that type of stuff, but we've chosen not to. Uh-huh. And maybe we'll have less sales because of it, but we don't want to sell our business based on scarcity, mm. especially with the God of abundance. Mm. Um, and so we don't want to do some of those tactics. We still market, but to think through theologically and to say, okay, how would God treat these people? How would God treat these customers? Are we just trying to like use people to get what we want? Um, we still have to promote it. But how do you promote it with, you know, dignity? Like we're trying to have this dignity too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've really tried to have those things in mind from the very beginning to the end of the business process so that it's not just, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to sell these things right. and get the money because that's important for women who need jobs. Well, that's true. But I don't think that it is about doing whatever it takes, you know, and, and that means considering our packaging and considering, yeah, how we manipulate people in, in advertising and all those kinds of. Yeah. 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 Are there other, just like briefly, are there other little things? So the, the kind of the, we're not slashing our prices. We're not doing the scarcity thing. Are there other kind of theological values that you feel like you've tried to other things that you've tried to, include maybe it's well in every package that we send out we hand write a note I don't know I don't think we thought that we would still be doing (laughs) it at this point and I don't know how long we will but I think that that brings a piece of humanity Mm -hmm. back into the transactional Mm -hmm. process and the same thing with people who get in touch for a customer service you know query or issue that we just try to respond to people like they're human beings and, you know, put myself in that place. And I think in this time and space where so much online shopping um, happens and the people behind the customer service have such strict standards about, you know, how they respond to people and how many, you know, minutes they're allowed to devote to somebody's issue or whatever, you know, it's very dehumanizing, I think. Mm. And so we try to keep the, humanity in the process Mm. also i write this blog and um, write articles that try to um, talk about subjects that i think are kingdom like even if they're not by those words so you know talking about being thoughtful and intentional about the way we spend our money and i think shelly's the only blog for business that says if you don't need to spend money on this thing don't do it (laughs) (laughs) shop less shop less yeah that's right yeah guys thanks so much for your time Thanks for doing cool stuff and talking to us about it yeah you've just inspired a lot of people right now 
now Octavia's Octavia's gonna go have a little cry. <laughs> Sorry, we've got a little box of tissues here just in case. You know? We always do. Yeah. <laughs> emotional people. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit regent.net. That's R-G-N-T dot net. <laughs> <laughs>